On today's show, I have in the studio Karen Simmons. Karen was just an ordinary girl raised in a typical Catholic home in the 1950s. She experienced the extremeness of the law of doctrine, only to have that very structure to be the catalyst that spurred her into a life in the opposite direction. Played with unresolved circumstances since her early youth, she filled the void with drugs, alcohol, and immoral relationships and pornography. She was firing down into the depths of each of these addictions, which led to a life without restraint and direction. In an attempt to create what people would see as normal, she married but continued in these life choices until the ultimatum was laid before her. Now tune in to today's show to hear the rest of her story. Welcome to the Millennium Beat Podcast, where we like to encourage the world one story at a time. Now get ready to hear stories from around the world that encourage and uplift you. Now to the show with your host, Kevin James. Hi, everybody. My name is Kevin James, and you are currently listening to the Millennium Beat. In the studio today, I have Karen Simmons. Karen, thank you very much for joining us. Well, thank you very much for inviting me to be here, Kevin. So... I like to always have my guests start from the very beginning, uh, where they were born and kind of growing up a little bit to get our audience familiar with you. Okay. Uh, and then sometime I'll have you back and we'll talk about some of the stories, some of the okay. miracles, some of the places you've been, and we'll go into details later. But let's just one, let's start off from the youth. Let's go to the very beginning. Okay. Um, I was born and raised in Long Island, New York, and my parents, Ray and Marie, were artists in their own right. My mom was a seamstress and a um, oil painting artist. Uh, my dad was a creator, I guess you could say, from, he used to create airplane engines and machinery during the Vietnam War that was used for packaging chemicals for the soldiers. And he also built boats and built houses and our family was all involved with everything so even at the age of six and my brother was four we would be down in the cellar with my dad helping him build boats so um now are these little i mean we're no talking big boats big boats, boats i Real mean boats. comets lightnings um catamarans he oh. built a 28 foot catamaran in the cellar <laughs> so, how did that get out of the cellar <laughs> one hull at a time oh wow <laughs> but um kind of a little like noah you know building a boat <laughs> yes it was but the thing was is that um we learned to how to uh, logically think about things, how to put things together, how to make things work. Uh, he had us doing everything from helping him actually uh, put together the house that we lived in to building the fireplace and just learning how to do lots and lots of things. And it's funny because later, after I met the Lord, I had several people... Uh, tell me that I had the anointing of Bezalel. So God used okay. all now, of... Bezalel. How do you say that? Bezalel. All right. I'm not... I mean, as much <laughs> as I study the Bible... Oh, he's how? the he's the guy, the craftsman that put together the temple that was in charge of all the artisans that oh, okay. developed. Yeah. So God used 
even the little things of learning how to create stuff, uh, all different kinds of stuff, when I was very, very young. So it, 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 he used it in my later life in the Lord. The question I'm thinking of now, that was your father that was the boat yeah, builder. Yeah, my dad. Did it yeah. go beyond that? Was it your grandfather or... No, actually, it wasn't. He just uh, so it was just your dad just got into carpentry and building yeah, stuff? got yeah, got into stuff and okay. he was a very um, creative guy. He oh. was he was amazing, um, and he uh, taught taught us. And of course, my brother, he's a builder. He's been a builder for like forty five years now oh. in Florida. So my brother learned his trade from my dad. And my other brother learned about uh, the electronic kind of stuff from my father, and he's a uh, he's an accomplished sailor with mm-hmm. lots and lots of. Uh, my dad taught us all how to sail, and that played into my life after yep. I met the Lord too, because of my flag ministry, okay. <laughs> because of the wind, learning how mm-hmm. the wind uh, works with fabric. So everything played in and then my mom taught me how to sew so that was also part of um the ministry that the lord gave me in intercourt ministries designing garments and set design and all sorts of things like that so i learned an awful lot uh my skills came from when i was very very young and uh it, it did you ahead. enjoy that I mean, it sounds like oh you would Oh, my gosh. Be. Yeah. yeah. It was awesome. It was awesome. We lived in a really um, remote kind of town in Long Island. There was no, like, no streetlights, no sidewalks, nothing like that. It was mostly a summer place where people would come, and my dad was the commodore of the yacht club. So during the summer, it was awesome. During the winter, it really wasn't. Probably <laughs> we, a little bit boring. <laughs> it was a bit boring. But uh, well, it, it sounds like you, you know, that part of your <laughs> life was exciting. You know, you yeah, could, you grew up now it was your, your family life is your dad had as a, a big influence in, on you. Um, yes, was he it, did. Was it were you growing up in a stabilized home? No, I would have to say it was quite dysfunctional. <laughs> but um, you want to know something. The cr- crazy thing about it is, is um, we were raised Catholic. And so I was like, I fell in love with the Lord when I was little. I didn't understand it all because um, the way we were raised in the Catholic Church was very, very strict and um, not much as far as grace goes. It was always the guy with the big stick was upstairs, you know. So, um, but there was one thing, I don't know, I just, uh, I don't know whether it was my grandmother's influence, uh, his mom, my dad's mom, when I would visit her in the summer, her influence, um, but I came to trust that God would listen to what I had to say. And uh, it was funny, when I had my first communion, um, I was given this statue of Jesus holding the world in his hand, and I would write my prayers out at night, I, you know, little prayers, and I'd fold them up and put them underneath this statue, and in the morning they were gone. So I, I was like, wow, that is just too cool, you know. <laughs> I was just so taken by that. Little did I know that my mother was collecting the prayers and putting them in an envelope. And... Um, it was interesting after she passed away after she passed away we found this envelope that had lots of my prayers in it it was so cool 
But um, in her doing that, she built a trust in my heart that God was answering my prayers. I didn't know Jesus like as my Savior at that point, but she, by that simple thing that she did, she really instilled in me that, hey, you know, maybe the angels were taking them or whatever. But um, it really played an important part in my life. And that was um, knowing you now as a prayer intercessor. That was like, and that was at an early age. Yeah, I was only six, seven only years six old. Only six years old, and you were making prayers. Yeah, it was, pre- it was pretty cool. When I look back on everything, uh, you know, it was uh, not so good sometimes. Um, and, uh, you know, but when I came to the Lord, I understood the scripture, Romans eight twenty eight that God works all things together for our good. So I endured a lot as a child, and I never got bitter about it. Um, I did what typical kids did back in the potato field place where I grew up. You know, we we smoked a lot of weed. We did a lot of things because, you know, I did have a, a lot of holes that needed to be filled because of things that had happened to me. So I did dabble in drugs and eventually became a drug dealer later in my life. Wow. But, You're learning something new. <laughs> but, um, you know, but I never really got bitter right. about the things that happened. And... Um, I took responsibility for my choices, and I did a lot of um, questionable things. Well, the thing is, is a lot of people have done things. Exactly. I mean, that's what later on you'll talk about where God's forgiveness. Is, oh you know? yes. I mean, thank God for God being forgiving. Oh yeah, you know, you're not we, kidding. We had to hold on to that stuff. Um, we could never live correctly no you couldn't really enjoy life no and uh it i'm very grateful i i didn't i didn't really know the lord i knew that uh i knew that god was good because that was something that i learned in the catholic church i learned a lot about his character um i found great discrepancies between you know for instance what we were taught about how our heavenly father was and then my earthly father so i had a there was a lot of contradiction there and right, a lot right. of things to deal to well deal your fa- with. earthly father was an image that you actually seen in the flesh yeah and sometimes we do that until we become christians and understand you know our relationship with god yeah we can only see god the father as we see our earthly father right and, and sometimes some relationships that's perfect you know they had a great father but if you had a very strict father or abusive father or alcoholic father right our perception of god now is is just yeah i struck yeah i really struggled with it because i would read you know we'd read the bible and the catechism Mm -hmm. you know oh yeah i grew up as a catholic i was an altar boy (laughs) i was and actually it's funny when i became a born-again christian uh the catholic church still asked me to teach ccd class oh wow and i go i don't think you really want me teaching ccd (laughs) class yeah but yeah up to 17 i was a a a catholic yeah so i just uh you know i plowed along through all of the uh you know it was just contradiction 
mm-hmm. you know, the contradiction. And I think, um, you know, that brought me to, you know, trying other things, trying to fill this void that I had in my heart. Uh, the one crazy thing that I, you know, I could just uh, imagine me being in that moment, even here, you know, at this age, 67, yesterday. Oh, yes, that's right. Happy yeah. birthday. I, I saw that on Facebook. Yeah, I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. You but definitely I w- don't look like you're 67, <laughs> so you're doing well, good. Well, thanks. I, w- I was in eighth grade, and I remember it was just, you know, we were going to go into high school after that, and the priest came in, and the uh, Sister Joseph Mary came in. Is that her real name, Sister yes, Joseph Sister Mary? Yes, Sister Joseph Mary. Oh, wow. <laughs> Can't and, get any more nunny than that. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, and, yeah, she came into the eighth grade classroom, and uh, they had this talk with, with, she had a talk with the girls, and then the priest had a talk with the boys, and then we all got together again. And, and she said, who in this class who would like to marry jesus huh. okay okay i'm in eighth grade right i don't know how old i was what 13 or something right and out of the whole class i got out of my seat and raised my hand like in a flash and i stood up and i said yes i want to marry jesus and he reminds me of that he brings me back to that point you know every once in a while right. he reminds me about that even though I went through so much contradiction in right. this family that I, this Catholic family that I was raised in, that somewhere in my heart there was this place that he had carved out for himself. Right. And I just still feel like that little girl. Mm-hmm. 35 years, you know, saved, and I still can go back to that moment in eighth grade and be right there in that moment. And you probably really, it's, it stands out so much that you can actually probably see yourself doing oh, that. Oh yeah. It's, it's amazing. The older we get, we sometimes forget things, <laughs> but that's but the what, Lord has just put something. It's, 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 it's in stone. It's oh, yeah. a moment of time that is permanent and that will be there probably for your whole life. Oh yeah. And, and then to think of that moment and then I went into ninth grade, into high school. Freshman year. Freshman year, man. And started smoking pot and hash and went down that road. Now, let me ask you this question. Because you're growing up as a Catholic and stuff like that. Now, were all your friends like that and you became them or would they all become because of you? Oh, you mean, did I influence did my Did they influence you or did you influence them? Because, <laughs> I, you know, you're not going to, I just, I can't see it all of a sudden. Okay, I'm going to start drinking. I'm going to start smoking today. Yeah. You know, I mean, you hang out. It depends on each person. In my life, I hung around with band members and, and stuff like that. Not much smokers, but they were alcohol. You know, they liked to drink. And it's funny, one year myself was they were giving out awards for drinking. This is teenager dumb stuff. <laughs> And the guy goes, sorry, Kevin, I can't give you because I didn't like drinking. (laughs) But seriously, they were, I mean, I was around the environment, but I Mm -hmm. wasn't over influenced Mm -hmm. by them to start drinking. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've drank a little bit, but overall, I probably have had maybe a six pack my whole 50 years of life. Mm -hmm. So in your case, was it, what was it that brought Mm -hmm. you into the alcohol, the drugs Mm -hmm. and maybe other things? What Mm -hmm. kind of pushed you in that direction? Well, I think, uh, 
in the well it was actually my cousin who so <laughs> she oh she, she was she, she was okay. yeah she was two She's years old yeah she was two years older than me and we we smoked pot during the summer and that's when it all started and then i went into ninth grade okay and um i was kind of like an outcast because nobody did anything right in the school where i where i was and um and funny enough that was public school Oh, wow. My my parents put me from and, this, and, and you were the wild girl, <laughs> and I was crazy. Oh wow! And I probably uh, would not if we got in the same school. I probably would not be hanging around you. No, so I had I had a few friends, but uh, the crazy thing was is that I didn't think my parents would ever find out, and they did um, because I then I made some friends that were kind of not. They were unsavory, you know. <laughs> I said unsavory. Right. And my parents uh, noticed a change in my personality, and okay. they uh, they went through my pocketbook one night, uh. and that was that was the end of that. So I ended up in Christian school. Uh. I ended up at Mercy High School with more nuns. <laughs> <laughs> now, did that help the problem or, no, or make it worse? No, it made it worse. Because I tell you, I've, I've dated, you know, years ago, <laughs> dated Catholic girls and, you know. Yeah. No. No. You see, because in that, in that particular town and that was, uh, you know, they came for money. Most uh, of the kids came for money. So they had money for drugs. And so that was, uh, I went from the frying pan into the fire, so to speak. <laughs> In so, more in more ways than one, so um, yeah. No, I, I have to ask this question because people mm -hmm. will be listening. You're in. I mean, it's like everybody talks about sex, drugs, and rock and roll. You know, yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, we talk a lot about the drug scene. Were you getting into more into physical relationships, or were you pretty much um, stayed pretty much out of that, but stayed into the drug scene? No, I I guess. You know, it was one plus one equals two, <laughs> you know? Well, the reason why they seem like they go, I mean, as I said, I'm only looking at it from my perspective. If, you know, you got the parties, the drinking, the drugs, oh, yeah. the dancing, the making out type of thing. It's well, I think that um, in the place where I live, there were very few people. Um, like on my block, there were only three winter families. Okay. And the rest were all cottages for people that came out in the summer. So there wasn't much to do. Right. So, you know, that's what it was. There really wasn't much to do. So the kids had that, certain places where they'd hang out and, you yeah. know. We, well, that would be more likely in the wintertime because mm -hmm. to me that would be awesome. I mean, you're dealing with you got all these people coming in for the first time. You know, they're, they're renting a house for a month or whatever, you know, a summer mm -hmm. cottage. And you get to meet new people. I mean, that to me would be uh, uh, heaven. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the same people. They were oh, the same people all the time. All the time. So yeah. it was okay. Um, I was. Um, I was. Kind. I would. I always looked forward to the summer because I had sailing mm -hmm. in the winter time. There wasn't much to do where I lived, so right. I used. You know. We used to get into trouble because it, there Board wasn't. Him, yeah, yeah, that's what it was. What they, what's that saying about the devil? Idle hands is the. Oh is, yeah, definitely. Is is the work of the devil? You definitely. know, because you have nothing to do. Definitely, but I will tell you that every single thing that I did choose to do, that brought me down different paths that were not good, um, 
the Lord, when I met him, he just miraculously took away those addictive behaviors that I had. And it is one of the things that has enabled me to um, help other people. Whether, you know, whether bad things happened when they were very young, you know, in grammar school or in high school, I can, there's a variety of circumstances I can relate to. And, uh, you know, like I said before, I am very grateful to God that I never became embittered Mm -hmm. by any of them. And that to me is like... Just when I look back in, on that, that is the grace of God on on someone who wasn't even saved, so to speak. And God's grace is is amazing, and it's I have seen it even on those that have not called Him Savior, right. Lord and Savior. So I'm grateful for that, for everything that I learned, every single thing that I learned from my dad, whether it was, you know, empowering or whether it was um, being pushed down, Mm -hmm. you know, to where I felt like a nobody. uh, It didn't, it, in the whole spectrum of that, I've gained a lot of wisdom and understanding and empathy for people. Um, And also... Uh, you know, to take a moment and say, hey, you know, he may have did this, that, and the other thing, but where did he come from? Right. And what happened to him? And I think that's uh, something that even in my walk these last 35 years is to be able to look at people like that, look at people mm-hmm. with uh, compassion and empathy and understanding. And, and I think that's uh, a really believe that's why God has used me in, in right. these different places in different countries in different circumstances, which, you know, we'll talk about another time. Um, before we go a little further, I, you know, so I'm going to jump to the story a little bit ahead. So I kind of know what time we get. We're, we're doing good on time, but the first half, the, you know, today's topic is pretty much who you are and, and how you came from. So we, last we left as a freshman from freshman year to the time you accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. How long a period was that? Uh, I didn't meet the Lord until 1986, and if I'm correct, I think I was 32. Okay. So, all right. So, okay, now I have a, a concept. Okay, we're at freshman, so you're about 14 years old. So, c- go from 14 to 30, and then we'll, if it takes more than 10 minutes, 15, 20, that's fine. But I just want to go up to that point. So okay. Let's, let's, so let's okay. continue from your freshman year. You said you're getting into the partying, the drugs. Oh, yes, your, your yes, parents, yes. Your parents found out. Um, oh, yeah. Now, you have said it. You, I know that you have two brothers, you said? Yes, I do. Anybody else that in there other than mom and dad? It's just, no, just, just the three my, of you. Yes. And you are what age? I mean, not what age. Um, what um, Oh, I brothers. am. I'm the oldest. So you're the oldest. Okay. Oh, it's funny yes. I thought Heidi, she's the she's the baby. I'm the baby. Charlie's the baby. Susie's the baby. So, no, I so, was. I'm the oldest. So you're the oldest. And I was the first girl in four generations. Wow. First girl in four generations. So I should have been a boy. <laughs> 
Now, being and a girl, and as I said, in the right now, if you had a younger sister, maybe they'll look up to you. Did, did yeah. your brothers look up to you? Because did you get them involved in the... No. Okay. So the way the family dynamics worked was everybody kept to themselves uh, because everybody was protecting themselves. Okay. Uh, there did come a point in my life, uh, you know, during those high school years where I, um, was convicted of the wrong that was being dealt out mm -hmm. to my brothers. Oh. And I became, um, I stood up, which created lots and lots of problems, but um, I kept doing it. And um, You stood up to your parents? Yes. The, the, the oh, adults, yes. Yes. Everybody, no. Yes, to my parents. Your parents. So it did cause quite a few problems, but um, I think the Lord built that in me mm -hmm. because I'm, I am a worshiping warrior, right? you know, in the kingdom. And I think it started back then when I'm, something clicked in me and it said, hey, this is wrong. I can't mm -hmm. watch this. I hear the word, it. you stand for, uh, for injustice. You yeah. Oh, yeah. I, yes. And uh, so my brother... My younger brother, uh, Raymond, the builder, uh, he would just observe what would <laughs> what would unfold, <laughs> and he would back up. But uh, my youngest brother, he's eleven years younger than me, and I I really stood up for him. And uh, gosh, the day I left for college, he was devastated that you know there was no one there to protect him anymore. And I felt terrible about that, but you know, I had to go to school. I right. want I wanted to go to school for more reasons than one. <laughs> leaving is a, now, what you said you're going off because we went through high school and then yeah. now you off to college. What type yeah. of college was it? Oh, it was. I loved it. Uh, it was a two year school. It was Elizabeth Seton College. It was uh, in Yonkers, New York, right on the Hudson River, and the college itself was uh, used to be a uh, an estate, an estate. So it was, it was just magnificent with gardens and just Sounds gorgeous. Expensive. Well, actually, um, I qualified for uh, Pell Grant and a bunch of other stuff because we grew up poor. Right. I didn't even put that in there, but yeah, we grew up poor, yeah. uh, poor, poor, um, and yeah. You know, crazy stuff. My mom would, it was a farming community. So right. my mom would send us out to steal vegetables from the farm and <laughs> corn and potatoes. Steal and vegetables. Oh, yeah. Nice mom. Yeah. Well, Kids, go and steal something. <laughs> well, honestly, it was uh, for survival. I, you know, that's just the way it was. So it was, it was just, that's just the way it was. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I qualified for lots of uh, financial aid. I, I actually, uh, and then I worked in the library at the school. Okay. So I helped support myself that way. But uh, So it was a two years? It was two years. Sounds like a nice uh, Oh, it was school, awesome. It was, uh, it was like somebody's house at one time. Oh, it was awesome. It was a castle. Yeah. It wasn't like a house. It was a castle. Oh, wow. And Something like you see in a movie. Yes, definitely. 
and um, it was a two-year program for um, early childhood development with the Montessori method, Maria Montessori's method of teaching. We actually had a school on campus, and mm. we had to, um, what do you call that, be an apprentice or whatever. You had right. to, Yeah, we had to serve and observe children, and it was part of our curriculum. So it was great. I loved it. Um, and lots of drugs. <laughs> It's, it's, you're like a magnet. I could see that. It's just going to, it you was know, drugs just like it all of a sudden walking through the door. It was terrible. Weed is like, it was, hey, where did it, that come it, from? Oh, man, it was terrible. But my roommate and I, that's that's when I started dealing drugs. Me and my roommate in college, I started. <laughs> Needed a little extra cash. And oh, say, yeah. Hey, I'm good at this. I like it this stuff. Let's terrible. see. I look back oh, on it and it was like, I, I God was watching over <laughs> us because... You know, we could have gotten busted so oh, many yeah. times and gone to jail, and it never happened. And I'm just uh, amazed, just amazed at, you know, when the Bible says that you're called according to his purpose. Right. It's it's like, you know, I just look back on it now, and it's like I had a calling on my life. Right. And even though I wasn't keeping up my end of the bargain. Right. But God's hand was on me my whole life. Right. Well, the neat thing is it's God was setting you up years before you accepted him as Lord and Savior. Oh. He was actually protecting you. So a lot of people that are listening that are not have a relationship with Christ. Right. The Lord is still involved in oh, your life. Oh, absolutely. He's still guiding you because uh, he knows the beginning and the end of your life. <laughs> exactly. He, even though all the drugs, all the whatever else you're yes. doing, you know. He was still there. He was still there. Yeah. It was just Before amazing. You even, I mean, you knew of him. I mean, from a Catholic point of oh, view. Oh, yes, definitely. But you didn't have that relationship. But no. God is still saying, okay, I, I got plans for you. Oh, yeah. And you and know? the crazy thing is, is, uh, you know, uh, as I got, when I got older, as I got older and I needed, I, I eventually had a nervous breakdown when I was 26. But when I had gotten this particular therapy called therapy, um, theophostic therapy and uh, in that you picture the situation and they'll ask you where is God in this situation and oh my gosh it was amazing how I was able to see the Lord sitting in the corner or standing in the corner Uh, sometimes he'd be you know just observing other times he'd be crying and I was like it just made me realize that, you know, when your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, right. he is there with you through everything. He right. is present through every single thing. Right. And we may not recognize him at the moment, but eventually we will. And we look back and we're like, wow, that could have went a whole different way. Oh, yeah. It sounded like it could have. You know, it could have went a whole different way. So I think that's another way how he equips us to be able to have empathy and to have wisdom and to have the counsel of God to help others in their journey, you know? So. Well, you have the, basically your pictures, which reminded me of you had prophetic insight. Yeah. You know, almost like visions of, of seeing Jesus. Oh, yeah. Of certain circumstances, he was doing certain things. 
Mm-hmm. Like we probably weeping over some things that were oh, happening. Yeah. You know, joyful at times. And, yeah. you know, and, and he was guiding you. you and know? teaching. Teaching. Be- because I would say, why didn't you do something? Like I could be that person that would get angry at God for allowing this particular thing. And I was, uh, I would, I said, why didn't you do anything? And I only asked that question once. And he said, Karen, I give everyone the free will. Mm-hmm. Everyone. He gives everyone free will. And I was, and it's like, okay, so then it's my responsibility. How am I going to respond or react to what happened to me? And I always chose to just, okay, this is just, I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to keep moving. And even building that into my character all through those years up until the time I finally met the Lord, you know, it made me who I am. I see like us as a a statue and the Lord is chipping away at different things, Mm -hmm. you know, starting from a piece of wood or a piece of marble or something like that. Right. Um, Okay, let's go back to, okay, you said it was a two-year college. Yes. So you're, you're probably, I don't know, 19, 20 at that time. Uh, eight, 17, 18, 19, and, and, uh, yeah, I, I met my husband. You started doing, you you were still doing drugs. Oh yeah. And now you started selling drugs with your roommate for an extra side hustle. Yes. All right. So you graduate from there. Where do you go from there? Um, I actually ended up, uh, taking a year between my associate's degree and then I got married. I met uh, my husband at a mixer at Fordham University <laughs> in the Bronx. Oh, wow. And, um, yeah, I got married when I was 19, and uh, I I stayed married for 30 years. Okay. But, um, yeah, I got married, moved to Brooklyn. Still, We were still dealing drugs, Then it was my... Husband and I, we were dealing drugs. So, so you got rid of your <laughs> I got rid, got rid of, of your roommate. Hey, I got a new partner now. <laughs> I got a new partner. I got a new partner. So oh, husband, Lord. So you, and how old was he? Because you said He's you, 21. So he was 21. You yeah. were 19. Yeah. Okay. So it was only a couple of years older. Yeah. Than so now you're leading the life of a drug dealer. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. So um, what happened from that point? You know, because, <laughs> you know, you're still well, 22 he... <laughs> to 35. So we still got a, you know, a few yeah. more years. Okay. So um, we lived in Brooklyn and I, of course, knew nobody, I, only his friends. And right. so, of course, you know, a lot of them did drugs as well. And it was just, uh, I had no children. We were married five and a half years before I had a child. Okay. So those five and a half years, we did a lot of partying, a lot of traveling. And, uh, you know, still no, did not meet the Lord. Now, I get this question come out about your husband, what his profession was. What, what were you doing professional-wise at oh, that time? Okay. I worked in uh, Manhattan. My uncle uh, got me a job at an insurance company, a health insurance company, downtown Manhattan. And I worked there. Okay. And it was it was okay. It was a job. It was a job. It yeah. was not what I went to college for. Right. Um, that, I, that was trying to figure that out. Yeah, no, that didn't come into play until after I had kids and then, you know, many other things that I did with children. I started working at a um, elementary school and um, 
in in Tarrytown, where we lived. We eventually moved from Brooklyn to uh, Tarrytown, New York, on the Hudson. It was a beautiful, beautiful place. And I started working in an elementary school there. Oh, that's cool. Now, what yeah. did your husband at the time do? Uh, he worked in um, for a, I'm trying to think. Uh, oh, he worked for uh, the same insurance company. Oh, okay. My uncle got him a job there. Working nice in the yeah in the computer in the computer industry that was his thing. The so you both were working at an insurance company and mm -hmm. then doing a side hustle of drugs. <laughs> okay. Yes. Well, <laughs> it was a very lucrative business. I guess so. Yeah. Know. Well, back in the day, you know, it wasn't all the chemicals and stuff right. that it was now. Now was it okay? A lot of people's a drug story. I mean, we're not glamorizing any no. of this thing, but mm -mm. I mean, was there any? Um, where you got caught? I mean, because your parents no, caught you. But nope. You, no. Mm -mm. Never got caught. Ne but either never. one of you never got caught during no. that time. No, never. Wow. That's never. a miracle in itself. Yeah, that is a miracle in itself because it was, yeah, that was a miracle in itself. If I look back and think about, you know, who was coming to the house and who was leaving and who was coming, who was leaving, you know, it's like, man. Oh, takes the wrong person. The wrong person, but... Never did, and thank God for that. Yeah, because you so, would have spent a little bit of time. Oh yeah, we would. Time. Yeah, we would have. We would have. Yeah, but um, okay. It was uh, it was an interesting life, and then um, my daughter, I got pregnant with okay. my daughter, and uh, things. Now, is this your first child? You yes. Said, okay, because we started talking about that. I yes. just couldn't remember if you had it said if it was a male or not, but yeah, your first child is first, a female. Yeah. Yes. And we, we stayed in Tarrytown um, until she was five and a half. And something happened right before that time of her life, in my life. And that's when I came to know the Lord under okay. some interesting circumstances. Okay. So that's a good, that's a good place to stop for now. What we're going to do is um, we'll come back next week and then we'll pick mm -hmm. up... Um, where you kind of really get to know the Lord and you mm -hmm. accept him as Lord and Savior and mm -hmm. um, and we go from there. So, okay, guys, thanks for listening today. Uh, this is the Millennium Beat. I, my special guest is Karen Simmons. We've been sitting here in the studio talking about her life. Next week, join us for a continuation of finding out more about Karen and how she accepted the Lord and what she's doing today. So again, thank you again, and we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in today to the Millennium Beat podcast. I hope you heard something that was encouraging to you. We'd like to hear from you with your story, so write us at stories at themillenniumbeat.com or give us a call at 407-624-9957 and leave us a voicemail. You may also find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we have a YouTube channel. Please like us and share us with your friends. You may also go to our website at themillenniumbeat.com and you'll find our podcast and our YouTube video. You also may find a calendar there with past and future guests and dates and times. Plus, another way for you to contact us with your stories or questions. This has been a Millennium Beat LLC production, copyright 2020. Views and opinions of the guests are not always the views and opinions of the Millennium Beat LLC. You've been listening to the Millennium Beat with your host, Kevin James. I'm going to give you a little snippet of a show called Family Matters with your host, Paul Kendall. If you want to hear more shows like that, go to KendallFamilyNetwork.com. 
Once again, I'd like to thank Paul Kendall for the use of his show. Welcome to Family Matters, a daily look inside the real world of parents and their children. I'm your host, Paul Kendall. There's nothing as terrible as financial stress. You can literally feel it, like a 20-pound weight on your chest, watching your family suffer because you just simply cannot afford to pay it all is a traumatic experience for anyone. And statistics indicate that a great majority of Americans are using next month's income to pay last month's bills. We are especially weak and vulnerable when under such stress, and the business world is all too aware of it. So they offer us great-sounding solutions that seem as though they'll eliminate the pressure and provide financial peace in our homes. This is rarely ever true. My family has fallen for this not only once, but several times. Once, my wife Evie and I decided to take a bank's offer to rebuild our credit by taking out a secured credit card. We purchased a $1,000 CD and in return had a $1,000 limit on our card. As well-meaning as the bank may or may not have been, the end result was the loss of our CD to cover the debt and we ended up making payments on the balance for what seemed like an eternity. Truth is, at that time, we had no business using a credit card. Another time, there was so much financial stress that I resorted to a method commonly called cash for titles. I basically pawned the title to a truck worth about $2,000 for $500 thinking it was a quick fix. By the time I made all the payments, I paid over $1,500 to get my title back. When it comes to finances, there is simply no substitution for God's financial wisdom. And listen to this. James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Never make a decision just to relieve the pressure. Make only decisions that are good, long-term solutions to the problem. Ask God to give you financial wisdom and let Him show you what to do. And don't be afraid or embarrassed to reach out for help. Most all of us have gotten into a mess or two in our past, but it doesn't mean that things can't turn around, because they can. I think if I had consulted God about the cash for title deal, He would have told me no after he finished laughing. That's Family Matters. I'm Paul Kendall. For more Family Matters and a free copy of our budget guide, log on to ziontabernacle.com.